Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. I was three years old when our family, which was my mom, my dad, my little sister Delaine and me, when we moved to Red Deer, Alberta. Uh, we moved into some row houses right in downtown, and we stayed there for about two years until we moved out to the country to an acreage. Now, I don't have a lot of memories from those row house years, but I do have a couple. One of them was this plastic wading pool that my mom bought for Delaine and me. I remember spending hours and hours and hours out in, splashing around in that little pool on a hot summer's day in the back of a row house in Red Deer, Alberta. I also remember that I would use the water from that wading pool to make mud balls. And every time my mom would go into the house for a second, I would throw these mud balls at the house. And it always amazed me because my mom would come out of the house and she would look at the side of the wall where I threw the mud balls and she would say, Mike, stop throwing mud balls. And I was always like blown away because I'm like, well, you didn't even see me throw them. It's like moms are amazing. They know everything. But honestly, other than the trouble that I got in for throwing mud balls, the wading pool in the backyard of a row house in Red Deer, Alberta, that memory makes me smile. Because it amazes me to think that there was a time in my life when a little wading pool in the backyard of a row house on a hot summer's day in Red Deer, Alberta, would bring me joy and complete and total contentment. Now, I also look back at pictures of those days. I had the best suntan of my life. But not all of my memories from the row house years involved simple contentment. Some of them I remember because, well, they were scary. They were either scary in the moment or scary as I look back at them now. I got three more memories, and as I began to prepare for today, what I realized is that those three remaining memories from the row house years, for me, what they do is they illustrate three fundamental fears that not just four-year-old Mike Manis deals with, but every one of us is dealing with in our culture today. See, this is a really big deal. These last 12 months have been incredibly difficult. We're in a pandemic. We're in the midst of restrictions and lockdowns and quarantines. And I want to suggest to you that the greatest pandemic that our world faces today is not necessarily COVID-19, although I believe COVID-19 is important. I actually believe the most destructive pandemic in our world today is a pandemic of fear. I believe fear is the most destructive pandemic in our world today. And I believe that fear is growing. Reminds me of this um, quote that former President of the United States, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, had during the Great Depression. He said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And, and it makes me think that right now, the greatest thing that we have to fear in our world today that could actually change the nature of the stories that we're telling, not only as individuals, but as a culture, the greatest fear that we should have is fear itself. And so what I want to suggest is I think there's a way out of these three fundamental fears. And so that's my goal. I want to talk to you about three of those row house year memories. And then I want to suggest that th those fears illustrate three fundamental fears that I believe are running rampant in our world today. And I want to talk to you and me because I want to suggest that this is a really big deal. And I really think that your family is depending on you. Your friends are depending on you. We're all depending on each other to find a way to step through those fears into the story that we were meant to tell. So I remember when I was four years old and my mom got really sick. Here's how it happened. She thought that she had a really bad cold. 
but what she actually had was strep throat. And by the time that she realized that she did not just have a cold, but she had something a lot more serious, well, my mom was incapacitated. She was so weak that she couldn't even get off the couch in our living room, which was really, really a big deal for us. Because my dad at that time was a long-haul truck driver, and this was in the day before cell phones, believe it or not. So we had no way of getting a hold of him, and we really knew no one in Red Deer. So it was just the three of us. Delane, my mom, and me. And my mom was so weak she couldn't get off the couch. So it was Delane and me. <laughs> Four-year-old me and my little sister Delane, and I kind of had to run the show. So I remember for about four days, I would get up in the morning and I, and I would get Delane up. And then I would take her down and we would have breakfast together, Cheerios and bananas. And then we would watch cartoons until lunch and we would have lunch, Cheerios and bananas. And then we would watch cartoons until supper and we would have, we would kind of switch it up a little bit at supper. We would have bananas and Cheerios for supper. Then I would put Delane to bed and we would wake up the next day and do it all over again. And I know when my mom started feeling really, really bad, she managed to call our doctor and our doctor prescribed antibiotics over the phone and I could tell that he must have thought it was serious because he ended up having the antibiotics delivered to our house. So eventually they showed up and I doled them out to my mom and she started feeling better. But it was a scary four days, you know. Because when you're four years old, there's a party that thinks, well, this is how it's going to be now. I'm running the show now. It's just Delane and me now. Like it's Cheerios and bananas for every meal with a cartoon chaser. And I think what that story reveals to me about what's going on in our culture today is there's a kind of a fundamental fear of being fragile. Like if I look back at this story, I think what really shook me up was that um, here's my mom and my mom is my support. My mom is my strength. My mom has always been my biggest help and now she's weak and unable to help me. And I look around our world today and I think that you struggle with this. So many of us are struggling with this because there's... There's things in our lives, there's people in our lives that we've depended on to be our support, to be our strength, and to be our help. And right now, we've been watching over these last 12 months of the pandemic, and we're starting to realize that some of them really can't help us. Maybe for you, it's as simple as this. It's our healthcare system. Oh, it'll always be there. But now you're not so sure. Or maybe it's this concept of living where we live. You know, like the kind of stuff that happened in different parts of the world, that could never happen to us. And then it does. Or maybe it's your own health. Maybe it's your own strength. Maybe it's this emotional resilience that you have that you, you think, man, I can always bounce back, but now you're not so sure. Or maybe there's people in your life that you depended on to always be your support and strength and help. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a good friend. And maybe they're at a point now where just like my mom when I was four years old, she came to a point where she actually couldn't help. And maybe you found that too, that there's things in your life, that there's people in your life that you depended on and they just can't help anymore. Or maybe they come to a point where they're unwilling to help you. You know what I mean? They're just like, no, I, I don't want to be that support for you anymore. Or worst of all, maybe you have someone or something in your life that you were sure was going to be somebody that could really help you or something that could really help you. And what you realize is that they're no help at all. They're a hurt that they don't support you, they leave you scarred. They don't have your back, they betrayed you. And then we're left as a culture, we're left as individuals with this fundamental fear of being fragile. Well, another story that I wanna bring up from the Row House years was the time that I locked myself in a closet. 
Okay, so I'm four years old again. I'm running around the house, and, and I remember running up the stairs, and I ran into a closet, and I slammed the door. Now, I really don't know why I did that. I, I guess I was probably playing hide-and-go-seek with myself, which is a tough thing because when you, you play hide-and-go-seek with yourself, you have to pick a role. So if you're the seeker, well, there's really no one to look for. And if you're the hider, there's no one seeking you. In other words, there was no one looking for me. That's kind of important to the rest of this story, okay? There was no one looking for me. Got it? There was no one looking for me. Now, that's a big deal because when I ran into that closet and I slammed the door, the doorknob fell off on the inside of the closet door. And you might say to yourself, well, Mike, why didn't you just pick up the doorknob and put it back on and open the door? I panicked. I panicked. I remember my chest constricted and I got really scared and I started banging on the door and yelling, did I mention that no one was looking for me? Yeah, that's important because everybody else was downstairs and I was upstairs and nobody heard me. And I was in there for what felt like a really, really long time. I'm sure it wasn't as long as I remember it, but I do know this, that eventually I gave up and I was sitting down on the floor when my mom finally came upstairs kind of wondering where I had gone to. I think this story illustrates a second fundamental fear. If our first fundamental fear is being fragile, here's the second. It's a fundamental fear of being alone. You notice I didn't say lonely? Like, I think we all get it by now, right? The, the fact that we live in the loneliest culture in human history. Like, some people will blame it on the light bulb. They'll say, you know what, back before the light bulb, you could only really work when the sun was shining, and so people had more time to relax and talk to each other. And some people will blame it on uh, air conditioning. They'll actually say, you know what, back in the day, on hot summer nights, families couldn't stand to be in their house because it was so hot, so they would go outside and talk to other families. Some people blame it, blame it on the automatic garage door opener. They say, back in the day, you would actually have to get out of your car to open your garage door, and sometimes your neighbor would be there, and you'd get to know him. And some people blame it on social media. They say, you know what, back in my day, we had real friends, not just Instagram followers. Now, I'm not sure about all of that, but I don't think I need to give you a bunch of stats and uh, statistics. We all know that we live in a very lonely culture. But I really want to take it one step further. I want to suggest that one of the fundamental fears that's plaguing our culture today is a fear of being alone. Not just lonely, but alone. Like little four-year-old Mike Manis locked in a closet and the world's out there and I can't get out. It's like no one's seeking me. No one's looking for me. No one notices me. Nobody sees me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody would even miss me if I was gone. And I really believe in this time of COVID, in this time of restrictions, in this time of quarantines, in this time of lockdowns, in this time of not being able to see our friends, it's been made very much worse. So the first fundamental fear is a fear of being fragile. The second fundamental fear is a fear of being alone. One more story. It was a time that I journeyed to a place called Candyland. Okay, so I'm four years old, I'm living in the row houses, and a big kid comes up to me. It's funny, when you're four, a big kid could be like a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, a ten-year-old, whatever. So this big kid comes up to me and he says, hey, did you know that if you walk straight down this street, you will get to the river? And you know what? That was actually true. We lived about eight blocks from the Red Deer River. Okay, but then he said, and when you get to the river, if you climb down, if you crawl down to the bank, you will arrive in a magical place called Candyland. And Candyland is amazing because there's burgers and fries and milkshakes for free. There's super nibs and cracker jacks and pop rocks. It's just absolutely incredible. Now, looking back now, the story had some holes in it, didn't it? Like, here's one obvious one. 
if there really is a place called Candyland, what are you doing standing here in the backyard of my row house telling me about it? Okay, but I didn't think about that when I was four. I set out for Candyland immediately. And here was the good news. I made it to the river. I actually crawled down to the bank of the Red Deer River. But the bad news was this. No Candyland. You know what else that kid told me? He told me that if I got to Candyland, there would literally be pools of grape pop. Do you know how awesome that was for me when I was four years old? Grape pop was the greatest thing. It was like the elixir of the gods. But there was no grape pop. There was no burgers, fries, or milkshakes. There was no super nibs or cracker jacks. There was no Candyland at all. So I thought to myself, well, maybe it's a little bit further down the river. And I started down the riverbank. And that's when my journey ended. Because meanwhile, back in the row house, my mom had noticed that I was gone and she had gone to a bunch of the neighbor ladies and said, where's Mike? And they went looking for me and one of them in her car spotted me just as I was crawling down to the edge of the river. And she grabbed me and she brought me home and my mom and I had a very animated conversation and it was very one-sided and I believe it's best summarized this way. My mom told me that there really is no Candyland. Well, if the first fundamental fear is being fragile and the second fundamental fear is being alone, the third fundamental fear that I believe is raging across our world today is the fear that there is no Candyland. Or put another way, it's a fundamental fear of being empty. That I'm going to walk through my entire life and always be wanting. That there's like longings inside of me that are never going to be fulfilled. That there are dreams that are never going to be realized. That there's emptiness that's never going to be filled up. That I'm going to spend my entire life walking around going, there's got to be more, there's got to be more, there's got to be more, but never finding that more that I've been looking for. Like back in the 13th century, Thomas Aquinas said this, he said, if a person is going to find complete fulfillment in their own efforts, they will find that their desires are infinite and therefore to meet their own desires, they will need to get hold of everything. So the fundamental fear of being empty is this fear that says, I'm going to walk around my entire life finding out that enough actually, it turns out, enough is never enough. And I think it's been made worse over these last 12 months. Life as we know it has really changed. And there's things that people really, really loved that they can't do anymore. Uh, go on a beach vacation. Go watch the Canucks play hockey. Um, get together with friends, play games. So, so many of those things that we kind of looked at for kind of defined fulfillment, even those are gone now. And so now it feels even more so that I'm going to spend my whole life with this kind of gnawing sense of dissatisfaction thinking, are you kidding me? This is it? And what I want to suggest to you is when we talk about these three fundamental fears today, I want to suggest that they don't just plague four-year-old Mike Manis. I know I've said it before, but I want you to hear me. I believe they affect all of us every day. I believe that they're radically affecting our culture. I believe the biggest pandemic in our world today is actually fear, and it's spreading. So when you look at the fundamental fear of being fragile, I believe what, what, what the fundamental fear of being fragile does is it drives stress. It drives anxiety. It drives worry. It's what has people, instead of enjoying and embracing today, thinking about what if, what if, what if, what if tomorrow. 
And this fundamental fear of being alone, I believe it's a tragedy. Because I think this fundamental fear of being alone really changes people. Because if I start to be driven by this fundamental fear of being alone, you know what happens? I'm not the me that I was born to be anymore. I start to become the me that I think you want me to be. And you start to become the you that you think that I want you to be. And we start to pretend and we start to wear a mask and we lose. Everybody loses when you don't step into who you were born to be. We talked about this last week. And I really believe that the fundamental fear of being empty, man, it just, it drives so much ingratitude. It drives so much dissatisfaction. And so when we look around the world and we see gluttonous behavior, compulsive behavior, addictive behavior, I believe so much of it has its root in this fundamental fear of being empty. And so what I want to suggest to you today is even in the midst of a world that's being swept by fear, I actually believe that God has a plan for you and me that we can step through it. And I think it's really important. I think it's really important to your marriage. I think it's really important for your family. I think it's really important for your friends. I actually think it's really important to the world that we live in that we begin, we we can start with us, right? That we begin slowly just to step through those fears that are plaguing this world. And I want to give you a passage that I think you're going to love. It's out of the Bible, Psalm chapter 46. Listen to this. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams may glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. So first of all, I want to suggest to you that you don't have to fear being fragile. Oh, don't get me wrong. Your body one day is going to wear out but what I really need you to know is that you're never going to wear out. That there is a God who thought you up. He also spoke the universe into existence. There's a God whose idea was galaxies and mountain ranges and forests and oceans and rivers, and you're his idea too. And he loves you, and he's for you. And he has a plan for your today, for your tomorrow, and your forever. And even when your world feels like it's shaken. Like four-year-old Mike Manis, when your mom gets sick and you feel like you're absolutely alone with your little sister Delane and no one's there to help you, even when the world feels like it's shaken, I want you to know this. The God who loves you, the God who is for you, he is not shaken. He is not moved. He does not change. His love remains constant. He is for you. And so I guess what I really want to ask you today right now, and I think this is really important, if we want to step through that fear to tell the story that we were created to tell, I want to ask you this question. What is your next good decision? What is your next good decision? I really want you to think that, man. If if, if you're struggling right now with an overwhelming fear of being helpless, of being fragile, what would your next good decision be? Can I give you one possible suggestion? One possible suggestion would be to text us at Southside Church, 604-670-3040. And my question for you would be, how can we help? Can we pray for you? Can we help you in tangible ways? Can we support you? 
I, I, I really want to know, is that your next good decision? To, to stop trying to face this fear of being fragile, of, of being shaken, of, 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 of being helpless. Stop facing it on your own and reach out and ask, ask someone, ask us for help. 604-670-3040. Let us know what we can do. We know that we can't fix everything, but we're going to try our best to do something. And I want to suggest to you out of this passage also that you don't have to fear being alone. It says this, it says that God is our refuge and strength and our help. That's so great. But what kind of help is he? Well, he's an ever-present help. So at the risk of being glib, can I suggest to you that you're never really completely alone because God is with you? Not only does he love you, not only is he for you, but he's with you right now. And I believe that when we follow God, when we trust God, when we understand that God is with us, God is for us, that God does love us, he's always going to lead us to a place of community, not to a place of isolation, not to a place of alone. So I'm going to ask you again, what's your next good decision? I can make a suggestion. Are you in a group? Are you in a Southside group? Because if you're not, I would implore you to become a part of a group. Whether it's you that needs some love or whether you can extend love to somebody else, would you be willing to do that today? To text the keyword group to 604-670-3040. We, we have groups that are meeting online right now and many of our groups right now are putting plans together to be prepared and poised to begin meeting uh, together again in person. Won't that be amazing? Man, I would love for you to be a part of it. Oh, and one more thing about groups. Maybe you're not uh, from Chilliwack here. You're not from the Fraser Valley. That's okay. We have people that watch from all over the place. And what we're doing right now is we're trying really hard to find pockets of people that are watching Southside Church in, in, in areas. And maybe we can bring you together for a small group experience in person right where you're at. Three fundamental fears that we all have. Number one, it's a fear of being fragile. But we don't have to feel fragile because God is our help and he is not shaken. The second fundamental fear is a fear of being alone. But the truth is we're never alone. God's with us and he's always going to move us. Just one good decision at a time, he's going to move us to a place of community, not to a place of isolation. And thirdly, it's that fundamental fear of being empty. See, I believe God wants to do a miracle in your life. Contentment is actually a miracle. Did you know that? Gratitude is actually a miracle. To live a life of contentment, to live a life of gratitude, that's a miracle. And God wants to do that miracle inside of you. See, our needs by nature are infinite, and they can only be met by an infinite God. God wants to meet your deepest needs. God wants to bring you to a place of contentment. I think sometimes about that waiting pool in the backyard of a row house on a hot summer's day in Red Deer, Alberta. And what it would be like to be that little kid again who is finally fully satisfied in a little waiting pool. You know, it's amazing because I really believe God wants to renew your youth. That when we step into uh, God's plan for our lives, that in some ways we become, we, 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 we renew that wonder of being little kids again that we find contentment, that we find joy and simplicity. It's actually a miracle. 
It says here that there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Isn't that awesome? That there's a, a river of living water that God wants to bring into your life that would quench your thirsty soul. That you would be glad. That you would be joyful. Oh, and just one more thing about that. I think for some of us, we're, we, 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 we fear being left empty and that fear manifests itself in a fear of missing out. Like we think, man, like if, if, if today isn't like the, the, the best day, the, if I don't get everything done today, if I, don't, if I don't have as much fun as they have today, it's not going to be worthwhile. I'll, I want you to put those fears to rest. You know that God has an eternal plan for you. And one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and there's going to be no more weeping and no more mourning and no more death. And we're going to have plenty of time to do all the things that we didn't get to in this life. So enjoy today. Enjoy today. Enjoy its simplicity. Be grateful for it. Be content. That's the miracle that God will do in your life. So here's my question. What's your next good decision? I think a little four-year-old me on the inside of that closet, I look back and I'm like, Mike, pick up the doorknob and put it on the door and open it. But sometimes we panic. And I just want to ask you real quietly, real simply, what's your next good decision? See, I think that the story of Jesus is such a compelling story because he really answers all of our fundamental fears. We have this fundamental fear of being fragile, don't we? And yet when we look back at the story of Jesus, we know that Jesus' body was broken and he was nailed to a cross. But then he rose again and he defeated death. He defeated brokenness for us so that while our body might wear out, we're never going to wear out. We're not fragile, we're eternal. And when Jesus came, he destroyed our fundamental fear of being alone. When Jesus came, one of the words that describes him showing up in human history is the word Emmanuel, which means God with us. That, that Jesus didn't remain removed and aloof up in heaven, but he stepped into human history because he loves you so much and he wants to be with you and he's for you and you're never really alone and he always is going to move you one good decision at a time back towards community, back towards love. And finally, because of Jesus, we don't have to fear being empty. Jesus said when he rose again, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to change you from the inside out. I believe that to become the person that you were created to be, to tell the story that you were created to tell, I really believe that you need to invite Jesus into your story. Because he's going to send his Holy Spirit, he's going to begin to change you. And, and all of a sudden you're going to see in your life, life, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And you know what else? Gratitude and contentment too. So I want to give you that opportunity right now to invite Jesus into your story. I think it's a big moment. I think it's the next good decision. I think there's a reason why you tuned in today. Whether you're tuning in uh, right now on the day that I'm preaching it or six years from now, I believe that God planned that this message would meet your mind right now, today, and I think your next great decision would be to invite Jesus into your story. So I'm going to do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray right now, and I just invite you to pray with me wherever you're at. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, today I invite you into my story. I thank you that you have a plan for me that's not just for today, but it's for tomorrow and forever. I thank you, Jesus, that you defeated death and you defeated brokenness for me. And that you're with me today, tomorrow, and forever, that I'm never alone. And finally, Jesus, I'm thankful 
that you came to meet my deepest needs, to answer my most important questions, to give me contentment and gratitude. And I just pray that you would continue to change me from the inside out and you've changed me to change my marriage, to change my family, to change this world. I pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know what? If you just prayed that for the first time, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. I'm so cheering you on. I would love it if you could just do one th thing for me. If you could just text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We don't want to stalk you, but we really want to support you. Other than that, I want to just say I love you guys a lot. I hope you're having a great day, and I look forward to having the opportunity to be with you again next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.